You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host from the bunker, Neil Potter. You gotta put some gravy on that. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Laugh Button Network, thelaughbutton.com. Today's guest is a returning guest from episode 67 of this show. He's a stand-up comedian who has worked with everyone in this business and has documented a lot of it via his work as the founder of his magazine slash smoozecast, Comedy USA. He's also a political junkie. He's our go-to guy to make sense of this political world. He's had a rough four years, people. It's been tough for all of us, but he's alive and well, and maybe he could take solace in the fact that if the world does return to somewhat normal in 2021, the two of us could go to a Yankees game and actually see DJ LeMayhew again at second base. It's Barry Weintraub. Thank you for having me, folks. Seriously, now that you're very big stars... You're in the television business. It's, it's a pleasure to be back in your good grace. One guy's a producer, one guy's a security guard. I don't know how big we are, but we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, well, and the third guy's sitting on his couch, so you guys are doing much better. <laughs> well, we this week is tomorrow. We're recording this on Tuesday. January 20th is tomorrow. Barry's been waiting a sweet four years for tomorrow at 12 uh, Eastern. Because uh, Trump will be voted out of office, I just want to check before we go into how's your pandemic. Um, how's your uh, anxiety level right now? Anxiety level is very high. <laughs> very high. <laughs> it's, it's off the charts as far as it goes. I am chewing through my chew toys. <laughs> I, I know. If you were a smoker, you'd be dead. I can tell you that. I would be chewing the tobacco. I wouldn't be like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you, you know, cool. okay, yeah, but uh, I, I'm gonna be fine. You were here in uh, November 2019 before it all went to shit. Uh, how's your pandemic going? How's my pandemic going? Yeah. It's just great, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything I was looking for in a pandemic, and just a little bit more. Uh, my, as you know, my wife is an emergency room nurse in the Bronx, so nothing says good times in a pandemic like dropping her off at the 38th parallel every fucking day it was incredible when this thing started man i really i felt horrible i i would take her to work and you know we had to get the gear together early on there was no cpe as you recall right uh, in the very beginning uh the cdc for what it was was suggesting using scarves <laughs> and reusing uh, N95s, you know, 12 times. It, it was crazy. So uh, it was a very scary time. I, I, I went to hardware stores. In the beginning, you know, they were closing at random times and never reopening. And I got to this one hardware store in my neighborhood, like the day it was closing, and I was able to get her the, the visor that you would normally use if you're welding, right. that kind of a thing, <laughs> which, um, 
you know, the gear that she had to wear, uh, it made it made for a tense bunch of months. But um, well, she was also the first one in her hospital to get inoculated, and now she's completely. She's had both doses, so she's like Wonder Woman. She's got a shield. So oh, that's great. Now my pandemic is going much better. And she much never, she much. she never got it right. You know what? She was really, really sick last February, and uh, she tested for antibodies in May and didn't have any. Uh, but what she had in February was so brutal, we'll never know for sure. But no, she she was never diagnosed with it. Um, you know, and picking her up at work, she had to change clothes. We had to wear masks in the car, which is fun because the glasses fog up, and that's always fun on the FDR drive. <laughs> you know, when you can see partially through one lens, that's an exciting <laughs> pandemic side piece right there. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. I'm constantly walking down the street like my mask is always fogging my glasses and birdies. My daughter thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, I'm going to walk oh, into traffic. <laughs> Nothing funnier than getting hit by a car because your glasses fogged up. It's so funny you say that about February because Neil and I both, I swear, we, we both, Neil got crazy sick in February. Gina and Hayat had this weird, both had this weird, like, malaise sickness in February. I can't explain it. We had some weird, all of us had some weird thing I for like two weeks. Too. Yeah. It was this. I felt, I felt like kind of stoned without the expense or the inhalation. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> Yeah, and when I told her back then, she's like, if you walked into my ER and told me that, I'd send you to the area where the crazy people go. But then it it was later revealed that that could have been a form of COVID. Yeah, we're, Neil and I both convinced that we had, I'm telling you, Gina and I had this weird thing. It took me like eight days, nine days to even just feel I was taking vitamin C like crazy. And finally, it just sort of lifted, but I was like, like walking through a fog. Gina had the same kind of weird thing, really weird for like 10 days. And then Neil got super sick out of nowhere and like unrelated. And it was so weird, right, Neil? Yeah, no, I, I got that. I threw up and had the other, my whole, everything was coming out of me for like two days. And then I just remember this. I, I was so sick. I just like called a doctor on my phone. <laughs> I did like a phone thing in my bathroom while I was throwing up. And this guy was like, I got to ask you, uh, have you been to China, to Wuhan, China? And I'm like, what? No, I, I didn't even know what you talked about. I'm like, no, I haven't left the country. But he even asked me then, but this is before it all came out. But yeah, and then I do remember after that, that I literally could not get off the couch. I was just like stuck. I could not, I was like, I got to go to sleep. And I sleep and then wake up. And yeah, it was, it, I, but it was like, I did the antibody test too in like May and nothing came up. So I have no idea. Well, wow, because that does definitely sound like you had it. And as we would later find out, it was here at least in January, and it came from Europe, not from China. And, you know, we were on the subways. We were everywhere without masks. Oh, yeah. We were not even wearing masks, like, into March. Yeah. You know, it was cold. So when I do my walk in New York, I always had that balaclava just in case I want to pull a bank job. You know, I had it with me. <laughs> so I kind of had a mask all the time, but most people did not. Uh, and I will say yes. this. As horrible as it all was, there was a brief period of time where being the only person on the streets of New York, it made me feel a little like Will Smith, and uh, and it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah, we had like in April when Bertie and I would go down the walk down the street, nobody. It definitely felt like we were the only people 
going. I would take her out every morning. I mean, I did three hours with her every single morning. We were outside and just walking around, looking at ducks. They closed all the playground. So we would just hang out in Central Park and figure out, you know, how to kill time. But it was eerie, just absolutely eerie. They're talking yeah. about that now down at the um, at the Capitol, you know, when they're swearing people in. It's like how eerie it is. It looks like a war zone. I'm like, hey, welcome to my world. That's what April, like May 1, April 1 looked like walking down the street of Manhattan. Nobody. I could have walked straight down Broadway and there was not a, not a person. But, but, you know, the other side is uh, people going, I hear Manhattan's a ghost town. In my neighborhood, I'm upper, I'm upper east side and I do my walk and my exercise to the upper west side. There's no ghost town. I mean, where people live, it's overcrap. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. Because the restaurants are parked in the streets. Yeah. The cars that should be parked by the restaurants are double parked or, or <laughs> circling the block. And everybody's outdoors. So I guess there's parts of town like Broadway and, and, and more of the commercial districts that are empty. But now the, the uh, residential neighborhoods are a little, you know, if, when people go, I hear everyone's leaving. I'm like, well, there's still a good eight and a half million to go. There's <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something about those, the restaurants with those, you know, they built like the outdoor space, your wife being in the biz, you know, of keeping people healthy. I mean, we, my wife and I have no medical background whatsoever, and we think it's absolutely nuts. Like it's the same. Why would you eat in It's indoors. Huh? They, they've enclosed those things on all four sides. Yeah. So basically you're just in, in, in an indoor unit without insulation. The, the air's not circulating. It's no safer. Yeah, the air's not circulating. And we think, you know, like some of them have like plastic, you know, walls. And we're like, what if somebody sneezes on the plastic wall? Then it's, you're, they're not going to wipe down that whole thing every time somebody gets up and walks out. It's just, what are you doing? Right. How bad do you right. need to have brunch, you know, on a Sunday? They're, it's crazy. And if you are eating outside, may I suggest the the, uh, the gazpacho? Because <laughs> by the time whatever you order gets to you, it's going to be gazpacho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's too cold. How, why would you eat? People are crazy. I'm I'm convinced people are absolutely nuts. It is fucking thirty degrees out there. I got gloves and my heaviest coat on, and these people are just like in that little booth. Um, right. having coffee, chatting it up two feet away from, you know, each other, you know, and not even one foot away. I'm trying to eat bacon and pancakes. Like what? You've got some craziness. And but probably- now, now there's a new premise for your joke. Hey, waiter, there's a fly ice skating in my soup. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? A pandemic? All right. I want to talk about this real quick since, uh, we, I hit the jackpot, Barry, on a topic last week, and everybody we bring it up to, if you ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers, and I just want to review this one because it's so much fun. So um, finances-wise, if I'm guessing you have a savings account, a checking and a savings account, and we're like, how much money would you need in your savings account to feel comfortable was the question, and we were like, Neil... If he has 20 grand, he knows he's going to spend it. So basically, it's going to be in there, but it's going to be out of there in two seconds. But he's happy with 20 grand in because he knows it's going out. He's going to have a party. It will never make it. So Neil lives at basically zero. My wife said if she had eight grand, she'd feel okay, or 10 grand, she'd feel okay, but 30 grand, she'd feel like a baller. Oh, thir- sorry, 30 grand, she'd feel comfortable, and 80 grand, she'd feel like a quote unquote baller. 
And mine is like $103,000 until I even calm down, you know? Um, yeah. Well, you're talking to a guy who still has his first quarter from allowance, and I still have all my bar mitzvah money. <laughs> <laughs> my nickname when I was doing radio was the frugal guy. So I, uh, so I save, I put it in the freezer. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of keeping money in the bank and not spending it all as opposed to my wife, but then again, she's working in the ER, and, and she's dealing with COVID every day, so as she spends, I just go, ah, I gotta live with this, okay. Yeah, exactly. So, so okay, uh, well, what's the lowest it would be before you start having anxiety attacks? Ah, uh, man, I mean, I'm with you. I, I'd like to keep, <laughs> I'd like to keep over 100000 in a savings bank. I, every day's an anxiety attack. Every day. I mean, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, there's nothing but expenses. Yeah. There's nothing it's but expenses. It's so hard. It, and you, you have a child. Yeah. You have to actually feed that human being. It's a nightmare. I find if you feed them, they grow. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. She can eat now, something. building on that, Lenny, do you feel like you have to have cash now on hand? Like, do you keep cash? No, you very rarely. Cash is like, there's nothing left that I need to pay for in cash except for my bagel. You know what I mean? Sunday bagels. Okay. About the only thing I whip out You're cash. Oh uh, no, I have enough. Well, I have a little cash rolling around the house if I need it, like a hundred, two hundred bucks. But it's not. Nobody's unless you're tipping a guy that comes in in an emergency. You don't need cash anymore. Everything's the card. That's one of my jokes. Like, uh, what are these? How are these beggars doing any business now? On the corner, they're like, "You got a quarter?" I'm like, "No, nobody has a quarter. We left those cards. Who's carrying around?" PayPal. Who's counting around check? Exactly. They got Venmo. Can you Venmo? I'm a homeless guy in the corner. But, you know, going back to Neil's premise, if all goes to hell, what good is cash going to do? I mean, cans of beans will be more valuable. <laughs> That's if all really true. <laughs> Neil's going to be uh, in the trading business. Trader Neil's, that, we'll call it. Um, I want to ask you. Though, Go ahead, Neil. You want to ask him a quick question? Because I got one more question for him. No, no, I was going to say that is true because when I when I first got to the city, I used to volunteer and I give away the cans and, on Saturday mornings at this church. And, and I thought I was doing a really good job, but they all started yelling at me if I had the shitty soup cans. They all wanted a <laughs> certain amount of soup that had great treatment. Like vegetable soup, you could trade one vegetable soup for like 10 things. It was like a whole other market. <laughs> That's where we go and really shit in him. Um. Barry, I want to ask you about one of the interviews you did on ComedyUSA.com. You you do all these interviews with some great old-time comics that, that were huge back when I was, you know, a youngster. I remember this guy, Rich Scheidner. He was, uh, I mean, one. he did this whole bit about Canyon Man. Was that him? And uh, this, Yeah, Rich was, he was a legend there. I mean, he's still working. He's, he's, thank God, he's still doing well. Yeah, and you had him on the show. Um, he was skyrocketing at one point, and they gave him his own show. What is he? Did you ask him about any of that stuff? I'll be honest with you. I did not review that interview. I don't know. I don't recall. I mean, my biggest question for Rich, to be honest with you, was a rumor I'd been hearing. But he had uh, issues. He 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 was an alcoholic. He is an alcoholic, but he's some crazy like thirty years clean or something like that. I don't know the exact number, um, and. Uh, he was married to Carol Lever, oh. and, and they were both huge, right? Huge in the business. And then you know that marriage broke up, and, and Carol later switched teams and uh, is doing very well with the other side. <laughs> but there was—I had worked a gig uh, 
uh, and I don't even remember where it was. And I came into town, and uh, I was young and single, and I was friendly with a lot of the wait staff. And someone there had told me that um, what led to the breakup between Rich and Carol was that uh, Rich had been in a few weeks to the gig, and then Carol came in a few weeks later. And while Carol was hanging out with some waitresses, it kind of slipped that some of them had been sleeping with Rich. Oh. So to be honest with you, of, of all the things that I asked him that day, and, and he's he was a phenomenal interview. I mean, you, you really just press go, and he went. I said, Rich, i got to ask you, is that true? And he said, you know what, I, things were so foggy in those days, it probably was. But he, he couldn't really say for sure. <laughs> that's insane. All right. So all right. that's what I remember from that interview. But he, uh, you know, he did the Tonight Show. I actually, we did a... Rolling Stone size Comedy USA issue once. Goldthwait was on the cover. It was all tied to Comic Relief, which was a great charity event where I was working very closely and good friends with Judd Apatow before he became Judd Apatow, the director. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was through Wayne Fetterman and Bob Zamuda, who was the guy who worked with Andy Kaufman, was the producer of Comic Relief. But Scheidner, uh, in that interview, I did the swimsuit issue, in that big issue. And Scheidner posed with like coconut breasts and a, and a hula skirt. Remember that as well. He was a very brave man. Yeah. <laughs> and he is a great comic. All right, let's move on to the second segment. Of course, since we have Barry Weintraub here, I want to talk some politics. Well, let's see how much I can get in in like 15 minutes. Um, Probably. I knew it was going to be bad, but did you ever? Well, I remember you sitting on a bench next to me at a coffee shop going, it's okay, we'll remove him, we'll just put it all back together. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it all back. Well, was it? Okay. It's part of the strategy, right? They have a list of stuff they're going to put back immediately. I just didn't think that list was going to be as long as I. it's going to be. No, the last four years, uh, to steal a phrase that we use commonly, was is was a super shredder event. And it was our democracy that went through the shredder and the government. I mean, I, I think what we're going to find out at God willing, Joe gets to, I hope Joe's behind a lot of glass, a lot of thick <laughs> bulletproof glass. Because when you're reading that the National Guard has been infiltrated, which we know that the National Guard and the military has white supremacists, but the fact that some of them might be checking passes. You're like, eh, let's just hope that fourth, fourth layer of security is the charm. Joe takes office with Kamala. I think what we're going to start hearing early on is how much worse it actually is than we even can imagine. Like, what else has been going on? Oh, Because everything, yeah. right, everything we've seen is horrific. Well, this, you gotta you gotta figure we haven't seen even the tip of the iceberg. You haven't seen it, and you, there's so many people afraid to talk right now. I mean, at twelve oh one, the the handcuffs are off, right? And so, you know, only half the books have been written. I'd like to say, you know, it's gonna right. get, it's gonna yeah. get nuts. I it, want those Putin tapes. I want those tapes from Putin his meeting. He meets with them all with us. Neil, you're breaking up a little bit. What'd you say? You want the yeah. meeting tapes? The Putin tapes. I want those. Oh, the Putin PP tapes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> could oh, you mean the phone calls with Putin? Yeah, yeah. He's talked to them tons of times. I just want to know what they talked about. <laughs> of course. When, and when, there was no no curiosity on the part 
of people who saw scandal in Obama's tan suit. No curiosity <laughs> at all. None. Yeah, Obama's tan suit was the biggest scandal. Like, how dare he? He looks so unprofessional. It's so funny. What? Yeah, Neil, what are those conversations? So so when you poison somebody, is it in like a ring and you shake their hand? Or, you know, what's he asking them? Oh, um, absolutely. Remember, you had... He had private meetings with Putin in front of the whole world. He went behind closed doors, came out. We never heard about those meetings. The interpreter, right, was threatened and couldn't say what he or she heard. But then there were the phone calls. That's what you're talking about, Neil, right? Or are you talking about the actual... No, Neil's talking about the phone calls, yeah. But they're going to, you know, they probably shredded all the historical documents. The laws are for kids. Are you kidding me? (laughs) These people... These people were were just running roughshod. He had hollowed out the government, you know. He placed political operatives in key posts, and we just have no idea. But yeah. I still I still fear he's got he's got at least one more trick up his sleeve. He's been way too quiet. Remember Obama on the way out? You couldn't shut him up. He did a farewell speech like every twenty five minutes. It was nuts <laughs> the last three weeks. I was like, I love you, pal, but enough is enough. What? Trump, they took the Twitter account away. Silence. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's part of it. That's part of it. They're saying, you know, you that's how you that's how you fix some of this. You need to take that platform away. You know what I mean? And they've said like, I I saw a study on it. Like if you it it's like seventy five percent of it like goes away because they can't constantly blast that cult stuff in your head this information constantly and it isn't it amazing all he needed to do was say something and it became a fact for like 70 million people well, it was insane no, no matter what his reputation had been or the proven track record of falsehoods and flat-out lies it was just a fact that he said it well it's right out of the autocratic handbook like you you say the lie and you keep repeating the lie and you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it till at some point somebody goes wait is that true you know so maybe maybe it is true i mean it's classic autocracy on how to do that and it's just like the jews are bad the jews are bad the jews are bad the jews wait maybe the jews are bad and then they want to kill them you know it's like that people can be twisted like that and radicalized just from repetition so i have to keep hounding on my wife like have sex with lenny have sex with lenny have sex with lenny you know <laughs> maybe it'll work i don't know um but why can't uh, wh- why can't 70 million people see that this guy may not be the best choice for them to function in their normal lives like are they are they that racist or that dumb they're that foxed up f-o-x-e-d foxed up this country has been foxed up for 20 years which means that roger ailes came in and he pitched this idea to rupert murdoch and it was a disinformation network it, it was a psyop a psych is that how they call it a psychop on the American people, yeah. whereby they dressed it up like news yep. and pretended it was news, but they had script writers, and they were appealing to people who are basically conservative. They reel them in. It's like drugs. You know, the first few were free, so, you know, you smoke a little pot, and they give you a little pot. Then they, then they up it a little bit, hey, take a hit of THC, and next thing you know, you know, you're shooting heroin in the corner, <laughs> and you're dancing. And, and that's what Fox News was. They just loaded them up conspiracy theory on top of conspiracy theory for the last 20 some odd years and then Trump comes in and hijacks the movement and he puts it on steroids so that people believe shit to their core 
which is demonstrably false. And I learned that when I was filling in his rest in peace for Alan Combs on Fox News Radio. And it was the only three hours that didn't preach the same stuff all day long. It was like a speed bump in their lineup. But I would speak to these people, and it was astounding. I'd come in because I wasn't doing it every day, and they'd be talking about shit I'd never heard of, like Uranium One, <laughs> which was some made-up scandal right. by the author of Clinton Cash, where he takes facts that were true, and then he shakes up the chronological order of those facts. Right. So that instead of a guy who once owned a company but sold it years later, paid Clinton to give a speech years before, he changes the timing around, mm -hmm. and then they repeat it over and over again, and they believe the Clintons were in on this, and, and Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, made a deal and made the deal for the Russians. But then when you look closely at it, and it doesn't take a lot of work, maybe 20 minutes of research, it all falls apart. But you can't uh, you can't disabuse them of what they know. Well, let me Once let me ask know it let me ask you this. Okay, so now all that's running, right? And we'll get to the media in, in the next segment. But why you have people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, right? What they know better. So, um, I mean, these are these are you know Ivy League educated people. So they're willing. You're telling me that these two human beings who made it to this level of government are willing to go with the lies that you're saying. They just love playing with the lies just to... They don't care about the republic or democracy. They, they'll take it to its limit, if not kill it, just so they could they themselves or their party can be in power. What is the thinking? They themselves. They themselves. They themselves. So they think at some point power. Trump's going to go and then they'll be in charge and they don't care how many lies they have to spew where Obama's from, where whatever it takes just to keep it. They don't care well, if the, the Republicans... The lie is that the election was stolen, and that's the lie. They know it wasn't stolen. It, should it be legal to be able to say something in the, in the public domain that you can't win in a courtroom? If you can't convince a judge of an argument, why should you be allowed legally as an elected official to keep repeating that I, when I, you know it's false? I agree. He know, and they know better, and they know it's false better. But they want they want to keep the power. So, I mean, what what's the mentality of that guy? You know, like why? You know, they're they're like, will they convict Trump in the you know in the Senate trial? Like, why wouldn't they convict Trump? Why would those two guys, if they're playing this game exactly what we said, why would they want to keep Trump around? They would vote to convict, right? You would think they just let's get rid of this guy unless they feel the that the trump army is going to turn on them so that they you know that's the thing they think they're going to enhance inherit the mantle of donald trump when he's got three kids with the same last name who also think they're going to inherit the mantle what they're all going to inherit is a lot of time in the courtroom <laughs> you know, yes they I, I mean come on there's going to be so much happening legally <laughs> Yeah, there is going to be so much happening legal. I can't imagine him coming back or making a comeback in four years because it's just he's just going to be tied up in the. And if if it all goes the way it should go, they're all they're going to have no money to do anything, you know. Um, right. And they're going to have they they're going to be pantsed in public, which is the only way out of this, in my personal opinion, is the only way out of it is to show just keep showing over and over again that he loses constantly. Like this, the emperor had no clothes; he's completely naked. And, you know, he shits himself. I mean, there's... there's you know, the thing is, though, here's the thing. And you might recall this, honey. I knew Trump was going to win. Everybody was telling me I'm insane because the polls 
showed there was no way he could mm-hmm. win. But there were a few things that I knew in my core. And, and the most important was that we're a 50-50 country. And whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you're going to vote for the Republican or the Democrat for the most part. Mm-hmm. So Trump inherited 50 percent, basically, of, of the American voting public. But what he did was he lit up the extremists. He brought he, more people into the democracy. <laughs> These are the people who thought, you know, they were getting on the bus to the Vikings game and wound up in the Senate chamber with the fucking horns on the head. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> these are the people that he motivated to vote. And that was the difference in his sneaking into the White House the first time. Right. He, he did it by 70,000 votes over three states because he got the lunatic fringe involved. But the base that got him in there was just people who are going to vote Republican no matter what, because he took care of them from a tax cut point of view. And they stopped watching after that. They didn't care about babies in cages and families being broken up. They didn't care. So uh, he motivated those people when he's out of the picture. I don't know that that same group will be as motivated to vote. That things might return. Well, let me ask you a little two, bit more. Let me ask you two questions about that. Number one. Okay, um, when you say it motivated people because of the tax cuts, I mean, most of the people don't benefit from those tax cuts. So is that another big lie? Because unless you make like over a couple hundred grand a year, maybe like, I don't know, you know, millions and billions of dollars. Yeah, those people are always going to vote for whatever the best tax cut is in most cases. But guy guy working on a farm somewhere, he's not he's getting murdered. How does he not see yeah. he's getting he's getting killed no matter who's whatever it is. You know, he's, there's nobody way back, way back in the 1980s. NPR did a study. Why is it that poor people vote Republican? And it's because and, and they support the tax cuts. And what they found way back then was these people presume that at some point soon they, too, will have a lot of money and they'll want the tax cuts. <laughs> well, that's funny because that's really what he sold. I mean, that's that is the real rub here. Somehow we invented this guy. Um, the TV invented this guy. You know, they made him look like a big time businessman, whatever. And everybody in the know, most smart people know that he was a complete failure. But what he presented to America, who doesn't know they're not from New York, is like smart businessman art of the deal like he's an amazing he you i and then he said i was poor i got not i had nothing lie but and then he you know and then he says you could be me he's basically saying you could be me so they they believe it they really believe they're going to be as rich as donald trump and then he talks like an idiot so it's like wait i'm an idiot i could be rich like him and then and then he's they're voting for him is that really what happened here uh Again, what I would say is that there's a certain group of people who are always going to vote Republican, and I use tax cuts as an example of their favorite. But here's the thing. The people who I think he motivated that lit up and made the difference the first time, uh, when I watched that mob that invaded the Capitol, if I could have asked any one of them two questions, it would have told us who they are. The two questions would have been, uh, what was your favorite episode of The Apprentice, and who's your favorite wrestler? (laughs) (laughs) And I I believe that nine out of every ten would have been able to answer that question without even thinking about it. Let me ask you something. You did you think the election was on the up and up all the way through? Uh, Did I think was on the meaning was it legit? Legit. I think it was legit because you look at Georgia. I mean, Trump lost Georgia three times. Uh, I, I've always believed that the machines can be manipulated and have always pushed for machines with paper trails. Yep. 
the, the Dominion machines have paper trails. The, in, in every district where the Dominion machines were used, Trump won by like 53, 54% in an election where he didn't get 47% of the vote. So, yeah. What? Unfortunately for him, it, it was legit. <laughs> well, how the hell does Susan Collins win Maine in like so big after she is like such a moron? I mean, what woman's going to vote for her? She almost single handedly ruined women's rights to abortions, you know? I, I struggle with that because I want to believe that there might have been shenanigans down ballot. But I think what really happened was a lot of Republicans split the ticket to have balance. They, they just couldn't stand him and voted against him. And then they voted for their Republican member of Congress and their Republican senator. I, I, I think that's truly what happened. Mm. I mean, it does. How did Jamie Harrison lose? Uh, in in South Carolina to Lindsey Graham, who's as ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it was like okay, voting has stopped, right? We were I was watching election night. Voting has stopped. Let's say it was seven o'clock, right? Seven o one. What's his name? Mitch McConnell has just won by eighty three percent. Like, you know, right? Seventeen percent. Like, how the fuck? In all that money, all that shit, all that hate, at least you could have been 50-50 or like he won by us, the skin of his teeth. No, he won by a billion. Susan Collins won by a billion. And so it's just, I don't know, man. Some days I'm like, this. it's amazing. It's amazing. But, you know, if you look, the polling was, look, Trump has never been over 50% except in one or two Rasmussen polls. And those always skew in favor of Trump. And the Gallup polls have traditionally skewed three to four points in favor of whoever the Republican is. But Trump was always behind. He committed impeachable offenses to try to get Biden out of the picture because Biden had always polled as a winner against Trump. Mm. At the end of the day, it was seven million more votes. Yeah. Right. And and the Electoral College was 306 to 234. So, uh, I mean, it really played out the way it was supposed, supposed to play to out. Play, but yeah. the difference was absentee ballots because of the pandemic and the votes coming in late and and they wrote about it over and over again in advance but that's what's going to happen on election night all right but he was telling his people from the start it's fixed so they they were nobody likes to admit that they've been brainwashed because we all feel it's not possible but believe me we can all be brainwashed. Uh, I told Neil this. I told Neil this all the time. Like I watched the thing on cults, and no, that guy's like nobody starts off to join a cult. You just end up in the cult. You know what I mean? It, you, I, I, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, a buddy of mine uh, won tickets to see Springsteen on Broadway, and from the moment he won it, we were going to go on Thursday night, Thursday night, Thursday night. So the first uh, Wednesday before Thursday comes, and he's like, "Now nah, we're going to do it next week, next Thursday." And then uh, on that day, the Wednesday. We're going back and forth. He's in a wheelchair. It turns out he's not going to be able to go, but they're going to email me the tickets, and and I'll get a friend, and I'll go. And I get the tickets, and I look at the tickets, and they're like right on the balcony looking down on Springsteen. And I call my buddy, and he can go with me. And I tell my wife, because she's at work, and she couldn't get out of work, and I drop her off after work. I come back upstairs, and she's holding the tickets, and she goes, "Uh, these tickets were for tonight, Wednesday. We had spent seven months talking about Thursday, so I never once looked at the date on the ticket, and mm-hmm. the person who got them fucked up. So I was brainwashed. <laughs> so I know anyone can be brainwashed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guarantee 
see here, it was the only night in a two-year run where Springsteen looked up and saw two empty seats and thought, what fucking idiot didn't show up for this? <laughs> oh, man, Neil would have killed himself for those tickets. Those, that, he, oh! Yeah. Uh, this this is the first him. time I've told this story. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that would have been, yeah, that would have been horrible. Let's move on. Well, wait, 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 we got to move on. Sorry. All right, I want to keep going. We're going to morph into, with politics, to the media. Are they partially responsible for this monster um, is the question I'm thinking you're going to answer yes. But have they learned their lesson? No. Yes and no. Yep. And why? Yes and no. You were in, I mean, you see it happen. You're, you were in the media a long time. You worked over there at Fox for, you know. I, I filled in for Alan Combs over a period of eight years. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And but they they haven't learned their lesson. Now they're, you know, obviously they're building him up for evil, which did not help them either. You know, they built up the monster to to give him a platform to make kind of make fun of him. Didn't work. He won. Right. So now he now he won. And now it's he's taken over them in some ways. They need to get their platforms back. And now they're not only the media, but, you know, now you have Fox, but they're like conservative compared to the OANs of the world. I mean, he he's spawning new media, which is not going to let this monster die. So what do we do, Barry? Well, first of all, I, I, my hope is like a lighter, you know, runs out of fuel. Trump is the fuel. Right. And, and, and when he's not president of the United States and he's not tweeting every day, the, the pain from the flame is going to subside to some degree. Mm-hmm. But he has definitely stirred up. I mean, he made it safe and wonderful to be a white supremacist again. <laughs> so that part of America is going to start receding back into the recesses, I think. And as far as how well these other Newsmax and One American News are going to do in the long term, that remains to be seen. You know, the greatest lie ever told by the right-wing media was the liberal dominated media because while they kept accusing liberals of dominating the media they were dominating the media yeah opinion well you know fox news has a bigger yeah they have they have all the eyeballs now they're they're a top rated news program or whatever news whatever you want to call it but they're not news right as a matter of fact i just read yesterday the story about how uh the settlement with seth rich's family which was another one of the fake conspiracies that's right sean hannity how they were about to depose hannity and lou dobbs under oath and Fox paid the rich family some crazy amount of money, but they made them agree not to reveal terms of the settlement until after the election. That's right. I heard but, that. And it's about and to come out, right? Right. And in that case, Sean Hannity had to admit, I'm not a newsman. I don't do news. I do opinion. Yeah. But he dresses it up as news. I mean, we've all had jobs writing for TV shows. That's what his writers are. They're just creative writers Look- you know, who are writing shit that's going to appeal to people who have a conservative bent, yeah, and they take it and put it on steroids. Well, how does I mean? You get once in a while you get a guy like hold on once in a while you get a guy like Shepard Smith, who you know, and Chris Wallace, who somehow get a spine and look in the mirror and go, I can't, I can't deal with. Them. You got to be kidding at this point. But you get a guy like Hannity, like he just has no soul. Is that what we're dealing with here? Boy, I don't know. One is enough. Enough. I, I think he has no soul. You know, Alan quit that show after twelve years. He just couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. When 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 they hired Alan, they hired him to be a paper tiger. You know, he was being set up for failure. Right. Uh, they gave Hannity three quarters of the time on every show. Right. And they, they would do things like cut Alan off and not light him correctly and not give him makeup. I mean, he wasn't a beautiful person, but they didn't help him out <laughs> a lot physically. He was a beautiful person on the inside. Go ahead, Neil. Rest in peace. Go ahead, Neil. Ask him. 
Oh, God. Well, I feel like social media is overwhelming the news. Like, they're leading the news now, but I don't know how to control. So no one knows how to control social media. It's crazy. Yeah, what do we do with that, Barry? They're not media, They're not a media company, so how do you regulate them going forward? I, you know what? I think one of the things that Joe Biden and this new Congress need to do is they need to address communications policy for the 21st century because everything has changed. And this is why we are where we are. When you have elected officials who can't make an argument in the courtroom, making it on Twitter, yeah. that should not be illegal. If, you're, if you've got the vote of the American people, then there should be some sort of onus of honesty. But I, I don't know. I mean, I was hoping they would have pulled him off Twitter years ago. No, something You can't run the country through a social media platform. Yeah, something that needs to happen is that. You know, they're going to have to make laws as far as... Um that some kind of regulation on on these media platforms because it's just the wild west right now and they don't know this is the kind of thing that you can gaslight a lot of people and you know it's weird it's a it's a it's a sticky situation because it obviously it's new technology and everybody's got this thing in their hands it's amazing i got a question for you well, barry how do i deal we know some people who work at over there at fox um a couple of comics maybe uh, i don't want to say the names what how do i deal with people in general who not only work over there, spew that stuff, will defend it to its death, uh, will what about you to the end of time um, to call think hypocrisy is, you know, oh, ironic that we got to build a wall to keep Biden safe, but we can't build a wall to keep people out of the country to keep them safe. I mean, this mentality of like the, I, I don't know. I, you know what I mean? Like, how, do I, how do I deal with people who think that now? I mean, I can't... That's why I want to build a sanity coalition. <laughs> Seriously. It, it, people like that need to be wrestled to the ground intellectually. They can't be allowed to do what they do on their own shows, which is do the whataboutism, throw out some quick line and move on when they say it's all the same. It's not. And if you drill down hard on all of these issues, they're going to find how naked they really are. But there's no mechanism right now to force people to just be honest. You remember... Uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, where the guy's eyes were clamped open, yeah. and he was forced to watch shit. Yeah, that's what you got to do. That's what we need. We all watched on January sixth what happened. Right. We all saw what happened. But in talking to my friends who are on the other side of the aisle, within a few days, I was already being told, "Well, that, that was Antifa." Right. Uh, and there's two sides to every story. And I'm like, as you look at the pictures of the people, show me where who's Antifa. Antifa <laughs> is is a construct of Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh yes. to deflect the anti-fascist. You know, they're so angry with the anti-fascist, they never stop to think, does that mean I'm pro-fascist? Yeah, I mean, it's... They never ask. It's kind of ridiculous that and it's the anti-fascists are like people who would go kill Hitler. These aren't... We don't, we don't have Hitler. Trump would be the Hitler in that case. They would be killing right. Trump. I mean, we're... But here we are. Ten days out, and they're telling us that what we saw, all these Trump people, well, no, no, the real trouble came from Antifa. Show me one picture yeah. of Antifa. Fox News found one guy who was allegedly a leftist, and that's <laughs> yeah. the only face they kept showing for three days yeah. while we were getting all these other people arrested. That's crazy. So that's a media issue. That's a media issue because they people amplify the Fox News story, yep. and they don't... They don't tell the whole story. It's kind of ridiculous. All right, let me ask you one thing. We've got to wrap it up in, uh, after this question. So what do you make of this? I know you will probably watch... What's your network of choice? Do you watch MSNBC 
Or do you don't watch any of it? I don't watch. Okay. I don't watch any of it. Well, if you, I don't know if you follow anything, but you know, MSNBC, Leslie started watching this stuff and she's tuned into MSNBC and then she starts making fun of the host on it. Right. And then she starts making fun of the host backgrounds on it. And that turns into I love a, what she does with that. Oh, okay. You saw that. Yeah. It's hilarious. Well, I'm on Twitter. So I see she's always got the background. Yeah. yeah. So she's watching this kind. All right. What do you make of this? Because then they start shouting her out. I swear to God, Brian Williams, his last piece one day was about Leslie Jones, national treasure doing the stuff that you're reading. I mean, she's a segment on that show. Nick, she has, she gets on the show. She's talking to Nicole Wallace and um, Claire McCaskill about, oh, I love watching you guys and they love watching her. And it's like, I, I don't know. I got this thing in my head as much as I love Leslie. And so nobody should be dealing with Leslie Jones. That should, she's an entertainer. She should be doing this in a bubble. They shouldn't be shouting her out. You guys are doing, this is the most important crazy political time probably in the history of the country the republican going down the drain who cares what leslie thinks of the background <laughs> on your on your am feet I, am I, if i was running a news network i'm not covering entertainers saying stuff about politics right but in news like you know in, in your half hour or your one hour format there was always that fun story at the end or the on the road story they always try to lighten it up here or there. No, this is dead in the middle. <laughs> this is dead in the middle. The <laughs> you know? And then, you know, the other thing is that news and politics are just Hollywood for ugly people. So, you know, they're just, uh, <laughs> it's ego, as you say. It's their ego. They just love to talk about themselves more and more. I guess. They're turning I into... The- in the last two days, I, I saw a little bit of a Morning Joe, and I, I've never seen a guy talk so much. He yeah. doesn't let his guests speak at yeah. all. Well. Yeah, he's the worst. He talks like that, like twenty-minute questions. <laughs> yeah, he is. They're very. I think they think this is their time. They think they are the celebrities now. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. I'm saying here. They're, right. They're, but here's the other thing about that, and this is the problem with the media. Like when CNN launched, you guys might not remember. There, every hour, there was a different anchor team, and there was news from around the country. There was international news. There was science. It was news. Right. And they had reporters, and there were packages, stories that they played. Somewhere along the line, to save money, it became people and their opinion. Right. And that is one of the many straws that broke the camel's back, because we're not getting news. Right. Even on, on the left, we're just getting a bunch of opinions and filling time. And that's just bullshit. Either give me the news... Or give me the Flintstones. Don't give me <laughs> your fucking opinions for 24 hours a day because that's just polarizing people more and more. Yeah, there you go. All right, we'll leave it at that. Let's go to the fourth one. We'll lighten it up a bit with a little this, that, and the other thing. I'm going to give you a choice of one of two things, Barry. Which would you take? Okay, or you can go off the board and pick a third one. Okay. All right, so now... Eight good hours of sleep, which doesn't sound like Barry has gotten. Would I, would you take eight hours of sleep a night, or would you take six hours and then a two-hour nap during the day? Oh, eight hours. I am not capable of napping. <laughs> Neil? I can't. Barry doesn't nap. Oh, Neil? I'd re- I would, yeah, I would much rather take the eight hours, but I think the six hours is more realistic of what's going to happen with the two. Two-hour nap is a little big. I'm looking for like one of those quick hour hitters. 30-minute nap. 30 minutes? You can do a 30... What are you, a cat? You can do a 30-minute nap? Yeah, it's like you can't sleep too long because then if, if I go too long for a nap, it's like, I feel weird. I don't feel good. Uh, I feel weird, but... Two hours me, isn't a, a nap. Two hours is a medical issue. 
<laughs> well, let me tell you this. On a Saturday afternoon, if I got to work at night and I got to do four shows, oh. and if I could take a two-hour nap, like Birdie takes a nap, I'll take a two hour She'll nap for two hours. I'll nap for two hours. Man, I am ready to rock and roll that night. If I don't get a nap before I got to perform Friday, Saturday night, at this point, running around with this kid, like, worthless. Worthless. But you have a child keeping you awake, so... You get a pass. And I would love eight hours of sleep if I could get that too. But, you know, once she goes to bed, I was telling Neil, she doesn't go to bed till like nine o'clock. And, and then I have, you know, I think I, you know, hang out with Gina until she falls asleep that like she's asleep by like 1030, the latest, you know, she's in bed doing whatever. So I have like my Lenny time only is from 1030 to say 1230. And if I want to push it one o'clock, but then I got to get up at seven thirty with everybody else. So it's like, ugh, God, I can't win. So I have to take the two hour nap to make up for it. So it propagates. I would Completely love eight hours. Understandable. It's a Completely mess. Understandable. It's a mess. So I don't know. Six and two is not bad. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know how Neil does seven and a half and thirty somehow. <laughs> I, I usually get five and a half, six and zero. <laughs> well, you got five and a half. Wow, you can function on that. Uh, yeah, I guess I, if you call this functioning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, uh, you guys have, I don't know how much nephew, niece, baby toys you guys have uh, experienced, but um, would you go a musical toy if you were buying one? I guess if you had experiences, or art and messy. And let me tell you, I'm going to go first. I don't know which is worse. It's a tough call. Like anybody buys a musical toy that she can hit while I'm still trying to take that nap, Barry. And it it's piercing because that song plays over and over and over again. I'm telling you, it's like Guantanamo Bay. They did torture. I don't know what torture they did down there, like waterboarding. <laughs> That's candy stuff, man. That's candy ass. What you do is you just buy one of these kids' toys and just play it over and over and over again. They'll crack. That's how they got Noriega. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I would say... They played... He, he, so which, what was the other choice? Art, like art. an art messy. Like she can... If there's paint and whatever, it's going everywhere. I'm cleaning up shit. Uh, it's messing up everything. She could touch stuff with it. It's like all of it is harrowing. So I don't know what's worse. I'm the uncle. Right, so I'm given a gift, and I'm not going to be there to deal with it later? Right. Well, there you go. Messy art toy. <laughs> there you go. He's going messy art toy. Nice. Is that because you're vindictive, or you just think it's a more fun toy? <laughs> I, I would like to encourage the child's creativity, but not have to deal with the repercussions. Ah, there you go. Neil? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm building on that. I'm going to get the art toy that does also play music. <laughs> that's that's pretty for sure. It's got to be out there. Uh, yes. Completely destroy a couch and also at the same time be playing that song over and over. That's what I'm looking for. Let me tell you something. She's got this bird, right, that she used to play. She'd hit the button and would go, You can play songs with me. I'm a can, right? And it would play the rest of the song. But then she would hit the button like 10 times in a row. So you would get, you can play, you can play, you can play, you. And I mean, oh, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Do that for like 20 minutes in a row. Listen to that. I mean, oh, God. I can't wait to buy a toy right now. I'm going to look something on 
All right, let's go to the next one. I have no, by the way, I have no pick there. I would just rather kill myself is the third one. Music or Armas. Um, what makes your day more, you guys? Um, a good dump, like Neil loves having some coffee, working one up and letting it out. Good dump or good exercise? I know Barry likes to take long walks to get his coffee. Oh, but I do enjoy my morning meeting. Yeah, love a good morning meeting. <laughs> uh, which one? The exercise or the, the go? I think I like my morning meeting. There's nothing like being regular, my friend. Ah, Neil? <laughs> Neil's got his whole I mean, thing going you know, with 20,000 steps, so. I mean, you know, the meeting is good because I do a lot, a lot of my factors in there. I do a lot of my fact stuff, my facts and similes and, and initiatives. But, yeah, <laughs> if I could, if I really what I want is I like to work out every day. Both are like a, a really good workout would be the best. But ah. I don't do it that much. Yeah, there you go. So that's what I want. Um... I just need to let it out. I don't care if it's good or not good, um, but good exercise. If I can get a workout, I feel like I've done something productive. Now I feel like I gave the wrong answer. No, it's it's <laughs> one or the other. I do want to I, I work out. I don't work out. I just walk like five miles every day that I can. That's great. That's that's it. Five mile walk. You now, just, how many steps is that? How many steps is that register? That's easy. Twenty thousand. Uh, probably. I don't know. I, I only look at the miles. I don't look at the steps. Yeah, five. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, uh ten thousand kneels. Like, uh, hmm, I want to say uh, about three and a half. About th- four, you get ten thousand. So five. He's probably by the time he's done the day, Neil, with the five mile walk, he's probably up around twenty thousand. Okay, yeah, you Wait, but you guys aren't looking for that like really intense workout where you're dripping sweat and just like back. Well, I mean, whatever you want. I mean. No. I I'm just good exercise, Neil. Good exercise. Oh, I would love to run five miles a day like it was nothing. Sweat, come back, boom. No, that doesn't happen. When's the last time either one of you has had a workout where you're that you know that just dripping sweat, like great. You know, he's played basketball for like three hours. When's the last yeah. time you've done that? Oh it's man, been a long time. It's been a long time. It has to be over the summer. It has to be a run, and I have to. You know, it's a little humid outside. But I went running the other day. But I, I mean, I get a good run and like three miles or so, but there wasn't that dripping. I can't move because I can't do that anymore. If I do that, like I'm finished the rest of the day. I can't, you know, I can't function. I can't make dinner. I can't, it's over. If I run five miles, it's over for, I told Gina, it's over for 48 hours. I'm finished. There might've been a pickup basketball game in the early 1980. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, and when I sweat, it's usually when I'm trying to figure out the tip on a check. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let me tell you something, Neil. Until Wednesday at 12.01, Barry's going to be sweating pretty hard. It's going to be a pretty good workout. Very angsty. Yeah. Very angsty. America's <laughs> never been greater. <laughs> uh, never been greater. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, what, what made your day more, Barry? We're going to start with Barry on this one. What made your day more? The DJ LeMayhew signing for the Yankees or seeing boxes pull up to the White House to pack up Trump's shit. Which would, which made your day more that day? Oh, the boxes, because that one was definitely more uncertain. <laughs> <laughs> you knew they were going to get a deal done with DJ, but we weren't so sure that he was going to leave the place voluntarily. As a matter of fact, we're still not 100% sure. It could have just been her shit. Who knows? I'm going to disagree. I knew they would leave, and I don't know if they were going to throw it out on the street or he didn't care. But, I mean, DJ LeMayhew signing just let the blood rush all the way back to my head. 
I mean, if they don't sign him, I don't even want to. I would have been so mad if he walked and went to like the Red Sox or something. Oh my! Right, fuck they weren't going to let him walk. But you know, when they signed him, my first thought was that means Glaber's the shortstop. Yeah, that was bad. But I mean, they could. Um, he, I mean, let's see. I'll give Glaber one more year, even though I'm, I mean, get me a defensive wizard to back him up for late innings if I have to. That's one and two. Um, I'm gonna miss Tanaka. Yeah, there's still time to give him a one-year deal. They got to get rid of Adovino. They got to they got to package Adovino and somebody else somewhere. Get some middle relief, and then somehow get Tanaka in for you know whatever he wants. I mean, come on, because right, Kluber's a big question mark. Big question I know mark. He looks good in the bullpen. Yeah, right now we're Severino. going. We're not done. I could see him trying to sign Paxton back for. Small, way smaller money or whatever. I mean, some of these guys are going to come very way cheaper than they think. Like James Paxton, what did he make last year? Uh, you know, 17. He's not going to get, he'll never hit 10 this year just because of his nonsense. And uh, him and Judge, these are guys who like just never stay on the field. I don't know. All right, Neil, LeMayhew or Weiss, Box is pulling up to the White House? Well, I guess the boxes because I always think of Trump like that. Have you ever seen that movie with Michael Keaton? I think it's like Pacific something, and he takes over that apartment, and then he like guts the shit out of that apartment. Like that's his the money pit. Place. And so that's what I envision Trump doing right now, like put cement in the toilet. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, <laughs> in the White House part right now, it's like piece by piece. He's trashing it. He's trashing. Yeah, I can see him just trashing everything. Let me tell you something. They're gonna they're gonna go in there with sweep the place for bugs first for like two days. Then they're gonna fumigate it. You know. Then they're probably gonna have to do some renovations because everything is probably like gold plated in some nonsense. And even the rose garden. They said that when she she removed like the roses. You know of the rose garden. They're saying please put oh, yeah. that back. You know. Um, luckily, there's a nice tennis court. But what was it? I don't know. Is there some story where they rebuilt the the bowling alley and they changed the wording? Yeah, on they the bowling ball? on the bowling ball instead of like it's like uh, instead of the Ameri- people's house. Yeah, and then he, they wrote the president's house. That's right. They changed the wording on the bowling ball. I mean, how? I mean, I gotta hand it to them for the minutia of stupidity. Like, like who's bowling? And then they go, you know what? It's the president's house. It's not the people's house. Like who? What's the mentality of somebody who wants to change the bowling ball? It's insane. Yeah, that's the kind of shit I want to know what really happened. I hope we can find out. Like like you were saying earlier, all the shit that really happened that we don't know about, I can't wait to hear about all that stuff. I think it's going to be shocking. <laughs> it will be shocking. All right, let's move on. All right, the way we end the show every week is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. Um, Neil, I'm going to let you start and talk really loud, Neil, because your sound stinks, and I'm going to jack up the sound, see if we can get you in there. Go. It is bad, right, my sound? Yeah. Well, the good thing, the good thing is, is I feel like uh, we are, like, rounding the corner, so to speak, and then, so, that's the good thing. I, I've reached all-time new lows in my life, as far as, like, pain and high, so I think that's a good thing. And then the bad thing, building on the conspiracy theory, and I that whole Q theory where they say they stole it from the Bible, where they always are like, "Oh, if you do this, if you do this, then the horses and the chariots are coming back. Like if you do this, then Trump's going to save all the kids." 
I'm upset that they're stealing conspiracy theories now. Like, <laughs> that's the biggest bad thing. Like, I know they steal jokes all the time, but now they're stealing conspiracy theories. Does that make sense? That's not bad they, they, they're, they're recycling old biblical things for conspiracy theories? Okay. Yeah, it's so crazy. The whole world's going crazy. The point is, I've been inside way too long. I'm ready to come back out. <laughs> That's the bad thing of the week. Yeah. He's been inside. Well, when you, you are coming home, we're going to have, like, you won't be on the... You, you've been quarantined. I've been quarantined. So can we do this in person next week? Yeah, I'll be in person. I'm I'm literally going to start going outside again. I feel like the, the, it's changing. I feel good about this. All right, you feel good about things. Well, I think Barry will agree. We're going to wait till he doesn't get shot, killed at 12.01 tomorrow, and then I'm good. Um, my one good thing of the week is um, well, I here's what I got to do to make this show, okay? I got this mixer, Barry, which is it's better than the comic strip mixer. It's unbelievable sound-wise, right? Um as far as a mixer goes, I made a little bit of a mistake. This is for like a rock concert. It's way too big. And then I have a recorder that I use for um, for making movies, like the boom guy. He's got It's like an eight-input recorder. I used it on a couple of projects, and that's what I used to record. And then I got a headphones thing, and they all plug into this mixer. Well, a company named Zoom makes all-in-one, Barry, all-in-one. And next week... If they find this box, because it was supposed to be delivered yesterday, and UPS may have lost it, but that's another story. Um, if UPS doesn't lose my box, I have an all-in-one machine that should be way less of a footprint. I can sell this other equipment, and we can try and make sound do better than we're doing now. So That'd be I'm, awesome. I'm happy UPS about that. UPS will thing. get it to you, but it could take weeks. It could take weeks. So hang in there, because. people. I don't know. It'll, yeah. It may not sound any better because of the phone situation, but it's going to be way less uh, difficult for me to set all this equipment up. It's going to be one little quick thing to plug in, I think. That's my hope. That's my one good thing. Go ahead, Barry. One good thing. If, try and find a silver lining here, Barry. One good thing, or it could be a bad oh, thing. One good thing. It's so obvious. Starting on Wednesday, January 20th at 12 noon, there'll actually be someone answering the phones at the U.S. government. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. I mean, you know, they'll actually go, we're here, just give us a moment, we're digging through some shit, but we're going to get to it now. So that's a good thing. There'll be actual management, which we have not had. Can I tell you, I don't want to say I'm rooting for this, but... I don't think Biden's going to make it four years. This is my prediction on the show right now. We'll do predictions in a couple of weeks, Neil. But I really Uh-oh. think I really think something. No, nah, I don't think he's going to be killed. I think he's just going to die. I think he won't be able to make it four years. I don't know why. I don't have any idea, but I don't think he'll make it. And I think Kamala Harris is going to be the next president of the United States after that. But he, let's see what happens. I'm going to go with Barry. It's a good thing. 12.01 tomorrow. Um, hopefully Biden is sleeping well. And uh, we'll make that happen. But that's that's my prediction for the future. Um, we shall and see. The, the one bad thing is that at twelve oh two, the lunatic fringe in Congress are immediately filing new articles of impeachment against Biden for apparently breathing the wrong way. I so heard. That. I heard about that. Um, good luck with that. They now they have to go through. They do realize they have to go through like Nancy Pelosi, and like. The, the Democratic Senate. I, I just feel like they're going to be doing this for another four years. Um, right. So the bad thing is that, you know, there's so much division 
But yeah. I, I don't. I don't agree. I think Joe's in remarkably good shape for a guy his age. I, I, the, the moment that stays with me is before he picked Kamala. The Fox News guy was on the street. Joe was biking by with his sunglasses on a bike, and the guy yells out at Joe, "Did you make up your mind?" And as Joe passed him, the guy goes, "Who is it?" And Joe points on his bike, moving fast. You. And he kept going. <laughs> Look, and, and that was like the day before Trump couldn't walk down a ramp without someone holding his hand. I know. So Listen, in good shape. I hope you're right. I'm saying I'm rooting for the guy. That's for sure. We need him. Like He's empathetic. And that's exactly what we need right now. Empathy as a country. And yeah, we're so divided. If and if he could come back a little bit, he just got to get everybody back to work. Put us back to quote unquote normal. Love to see you at the strip. Go back to work. Get on a plane, feel safe, you know, get some vaccines going. If we could do that by the end of knock the year. Wood. Yeah, knock wood. We'll all be better off. All right. Barry Weintraub, you can find him at at you by BarryWeintraub.com or ComedyUSA.com. And I was or like, Barry Weintraub one on Twitter. I have almost seven people following seven me. Seven people. I'm like, what? No parlor, Barry? I'm shocked. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. Now being hosted by the Russians. The Russians. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. It's perfect ending to all the social media for the year. All right. Thank Um, you, Lenny. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much for doing this. And we will see everybody next week. Four Corners Podcast was created, hosted, produced, and engineered by me, Lenny Marcus. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Last Button Podcast. <laughs>